0: Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable, board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Daly, and in this episode, we're chatting with Liberty Kiefer, owner of Lightheart Games and the designer behind O, an award-winning solo game that successfully funded on Kickstarter in 2019. O recently made its way into Barnes & Noble stores across the USA. Liberty, welcome to the binge. How are
1: you doing? Doing well. How are you?
0: I am doing great. It is awesome to have you on this podcast. I think this is actually the no, this is the second solo game that we've had on on the podcast. So nice. it's always cool to kind of get into the uh, the solo game uh, arena and kind of get the the motivations behind it. Uh, I was reading somewhere that uh, that you were actually a photographer. How, how long have you been doing photography for?
1: Yeah, so I started taking pictures um, just. We, when my first daughter was born, uh, my husband bought us like a nice camera, you know, a DSLR, just a beginner one. But yeah, yeah. Um, I was kind of home with her all day and uh, started to, taking a ton of pictures of her. And it sort of snowballed from there into something that um, was an art form that I could actually do while being a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I, I really uh, found a passion for it and, and spent about 10 years shooting uh, professionally as a, portrait and wedding photographer um so yeah i I really loved it uh and i still love it i still do it from here here and there and
0: did you bridge into like board game photography or anything like that or it was mainly just weddings (laughs)
1: um feel free to hire me anyone who's watching (laughs) no i I love taking pictures of uh i I did all my photography for Costello, obviously for promoting that and um that was super fun and I've taken a handful here and there when my family are playing, but, uh, yeah, that's something I would definitely like to do
0: more of. It certainly helps with that artistic eye. We, we actually had the, uh, victory point labs. Um, uh, uh, well, not the full team, but, uh, one of, uh, one of the photographers from that YouTube channel, where they basically have three different people film the same thing, same board game. And then they, uh, they show each other and they kind of talk about how they put it together. Is one of my all time favorite, uh, YouTube, uh, Channels down. Yeah, I actually love so cool. it. It's yeah. Really yeah. It's cool. phenomenal. It's yeah. Yeah, awesome. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and were you doing any other kind of art or was that kind of your artistic, uh, kind of talent over the past uh, decade? Like have you done any kind of drawing or creative design or anything like that or?
1: Yeah. So I'm not, um, I don't know. I'm such a dabbler. So I try a little bit of everything. Um, I always try to be doing something creative. Uh, so I like to draw. I like to paint. Um, I like to sew by hand. Um, I'd like to learn how to use the machine as well. I mean, I learned like a little bit a long time ago, but um, yeah, I'm kind of always picking up little projects here and there, so.
0: So what got you Um, into board games? Like have you been playing board games your entire life or is this something that's kind of more of a a recent passion for you or?
1: um, I played a lot of the, like the standard board games growing up um, and liked those. I was really more of a card player though. I I love um, like hearts and Texas Hold'em is kind of like my favorite thing. Um, Taking money from people is really fun. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I've always loved like the feeling of cards in your hand. And um, I knew that like when I started, well, it's kind of a long story about getting into games. But when I did, I knew that I really wanted to do cards because I just love they're like little works of art.
0: Yeah. yeah. What, what got you into deciding to actually do like game design and game development? Like, was there something that kind of triggered that or is it just
1: yeah. Kind of I I've probably told this story a whole bunch of times now. so I'll Well, I've it. never
0: heard it. I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So I was, uh, I was on a trip with my family and, um, my kids, uh, and I were really excited about this trip. And then, um, my, Second oldest daughter and I both got really sick and uh. we spent the entire week just like throwing up in the Airbnb and not going anywhere <laughs> or doing anything fun. Um, so I was wanting to make up for that on our drive home and and we were just like playing all our little car games that we normally do. And then we got bored of those. And so We kind of made up a new one and, and we we're like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could play that with other people? And then we kind of thought about how we could do that, and that was how our first game um, that I ever designed was sort of started. And that's feed the humans, which mm. that I hope to do something with in the future. <laughs> but that was the one that I kind of like. We did all the art for it, and like kind of started learning about Kickstarter. And then Cristallo came along and stole the stole the show. But
0: <laughs> so yeah, what what it. what led into uh, Cristallo? Like what what was kind of the the genesis behind that idea. Cause it's very, it's from what I've seen, I haven't seen anything like it. Maybe there's games out there and I just haven't played enough games, but it seems quite unique um, on how you play this, this solo game. So where did you come up with this idea of kind of like freeing these characters by like freeing one gem at a time or an orb, I guess it'd be the way you describe it. How, how did you come up with that idea? It's
1: um, a great question. <laughs> um, it's kind of weird. Cause So I got into it, uh, because of, there was a solo print and play contest. Um, and, and I remember when I first, like, I thought about it for a long time and I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like, I didn't know people played solo games and I didn't know that that was a thing and kind of wanted to, um, try it out. Sorry. My dog is like playing with my cat over there. (laughs)
0: That's okay.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah. So I, uh, I think I just like pulled out a deck of blank cards when I, and I started like, I, th- I think they were actually just like a deck of poker cards. And I started like, turning them over in my hand and I'm like, what kind of experience would I want to have as a solo player? And a lot of it was like tactile, like what kind of mm-hmm. actions would I want to take and how does that feel? And um, honestly it was like a 48 hour kind of like creative binge. And then at that point, like at the end of 48 hours I kind of had like a working prototype. But I don't wow. really remember how it happened. <laughs> I wasn't on drugs or anything. I,
0: <laughs> I promise.
1: <laughs> I swear. I swear.
0: Crystals um, and orbs and hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. But initially I used like a throwaway theme. I think I had like flowers and seedlings. and. Okay. And they kind of like, that was the, the one, two, three size crystals. But I rethemed it into the crystals because I like that aesthetic of like the dark cavern and the crystals. I hadn't really seen that done. Um, yeah, I thought that would be really fun. And then the creatures kind of like grew out of that. Like I wanted bright rainbow colors and um, my girls are really into like mythical creatures. So they helped me come up with them. And yeah, it was like a team effort.
0: I share my screen for the people who are actually watching. Uh, I'll Describe it for people that are listening, but this is the original Kickstarter page. And as you can see, the design and in, in, in artwork is just very, very colorful. It sucks you in right away. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really like about this, this theme is that it's almost like there's two kind of um, like levels, right? Almost. So you're, you're, you're freeing these kind of creatures. So you, you have this kind of abstract puzzle, for lack of a better word, that you're trying mm-hmm. to solve, right? And, and as you're solving, you're freeing these different creatures. I want you free, I guess, there are six creatures you can free. Uh, mm-hmm. then you have to go and slay or trap the dragon, right? So then you take whatever's, whatever's left over that you haven't used and then you add that to, I think, is it nine cards you set aside at the beginning? Yep. Yeah, nine mm-hmm. cards set aside at the beginning, goes together, and then you try to take that same similar kind of mechanic and, uh, and, and free the dragon, which uh, is cool. Like it, it, and from some of the reviewers I was listening to, you know, they said, don't, don't plan to free the dragon on your first play. Uh, <laughs> if you can even yeah. free the six characters on your first play, uh, you're doing well. Um, but can, can you walk us through this mechanic of like how you trap the orbs and so forth? Can you talk a little bit about that, how that works?
1: Uh, yeah, so if, I don't know if you people watching have ever played set, um, that was a huge, or if you've played set, um, that was a huge inspiration for the way mm-hmm. these um, sets of crystals work. Uh, basically you have three attributes which are the color of the crystal they can be orange purple or red Uh, the size of the crystal they can be one two or three points Mm -hmm. and then um and then what was I? there's a third one what am I thinking so
0: there's one is all the same color all the same shape and then everything's Um, completely different right
1: yeah there's actually just two attributes sorry in set there's three um this makes it a little easier I'm like, color, shape, what else is there? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then what you're trying to do is you're trying to do like all the same shape and all the same color or uh, all different shape, all different color, or they can be like all different and all the same. for those. Like basically for any trait, they have to be all different or all the same. Um, And and it sounds more complicated than it is. It's actually really simple when you get playing.
0: And that's what a lot of people said that were uh, like reviewing this. We're saying like for something that's so simple, uh, it's, it's, it's so addictive, right? Oh, is the like words of, that. <laughs> yeah. So people are saying, wow, like they just absolutely love, uh, the way this, the, the simplicity of this game, how easy it is to play, but how much playability there is in the actual game, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. This campaign did very well. I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars. Cause as our mm-hmm. listeners know, that always sounds bigger. Uh, you <laughs> had like $42,500 uh, on the campaign. I'm sure you did much more after that. 2066 backs or, 2066 backers, uh, 2066 backers, uh mm-hmm. which is a, uh, a very, very nice success. Um, you know, this, this is something that, and this was in 2019 too, right? So,
1: mm-hmm. um, it
0: <laughs> it's kind of pre-COVID and so, and I, and that I'm glad you said that because the first mm-hmm. thing I started thinking is you must be seeing a surge now in sales of this game now that COVID's hit.
1: I, I think, I mean, I can't say for sure because I'm not really on that side of it, but um, I do hear a lot of people, um, like people have come to me having bought it and said, this has been perfect for, you know, lockdown because I can just sit down and have this like mellow, you know, thing and it's, it's very soothing and meditative and I think it's, it's lockdown friendly. So, yeah i would hate to like say that i'm benefiting from something that's been terrible for so many people but um i'm glad that like it's been beneficial for them.
0: yeah well the one thing we've talked about a lot on the podcast is you know we're seeing a lot of developers now that are building this into their actual games right from from the Uh start saying you know what uh this thing should have a solo mode uh going into you're starting to see more games where they're going beyond four players you know five six players because when we finally do have everything uh unlocked and the lockdowns are done you know, a lot of ga- are going to go
1: through the roof.
0: I think. Oh, for sure. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. that classic kind of two to four almost feels a bit constraining. Like I know when I go to mm-hmm. game nights, um, you know, there's always that fifth person that, that's kind of left out, right? If you're playing a, a two to four player game. So yeah. um, something like this could even be fun at a game night while that person's waiting to join the next game, could maybe play oh, even a, a solo game. So you're listed at Barnes Noble. How did that come about?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, so that actually um, was something that came about um, with my previous publisher. Uh, and then when that relationship didn't work out and I ended up um, signing with Deepwater, they were able to um, kind of work that out with Barnes & Noble and keep it keep it on track. And this is it's right often. coast
0: to coast now as this game is distributed? or
1: Yeah, I believe it's in all stores. I'm not... Don't quote me on that, but I think it's been all
0: of them. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Now, when you said your previous, so there was, uh, I mean, the kind of the elf in the room is, and this mm-hmm. is public. Like you 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 read in the the notes of uh, of the updates and so forth on your actual Kickstarter mm-hmm. page, you can see that there was uh, a fundamental. We don't have to get into names and things like that. We're not here to right. point fingers, but I think there's a lot of learning here, maybe for other people. Can you tell us kind of what, without mentioning names, can you tell us kind of what happened?
1: Yeah. So. Um, I signed with the publisher um, right before I went to Kickstarter, so the game had already kind of gained a little bit of buzz and like, you know, enough that my reviewers had kind of come out with their videos at that point. And so so a publisher had heard about the game and um, it was kind of like this hand reaching down to save me at that point because I was really terrified of all the logistics side of it. Um, Sure. And, you know, they offered me a good... Um, good contract and so I ended up signing with them um, with the understanding that they were going to handle all of the um, manufacturing and fulfillment okay. um, and yeah that went pretty well um, for a while and then kind of communication broke down really badly after a while and uh, I was we both had frustrations I would say I was really frustrated of course <laughs> uh, yeah So, yeah, it was hard because I was running a Kickstarter um, and everybody was really familiar with me throughout the campaign and, like, you know, were very supportive of me. And I was excited to deliver the game. And then we had delay after delay and no communication. And that was really um, stressful. And I also, starting, let's see, January, I was also pregnant and I was really, really sick. So that was really hard. Um, Yeah.
0: A lot going on at one time. So was this, just for clear, yeah. this was, so after your campaign closed, Yeah. So, this, this was after the campaign closed, right? Yeah.
1: So the campaign went great. Um, and I basically ran the campaign all the way to close. Um, they just were kind of in the background um, and, you know, kind of advised me on some things. Um, and then we did a couple of conventions. Um, I think I did three
0: and did you and- have to prepay them? Like, so were they prepaid to, to go and kind of manufacture from your Kickstarter funds or how was that kind of set up? It
1: was fortunate. So I ended up, uh, basically they paid for the manufacturing upfront and um, and then I was going to pay them back. And yeah, um, yeah. so, you know, without going into too much detail, sure. funds got Used for things that were not my campaign, instead of being used for my campaign, mm. you know that I had sent to them, and so it was kind of a. I think it, they just had a lot going on, and COVID hit really hard. Um, I know like our manufacturer was out for like a month; they didn't have, yeah. you know, all their employees were out uh, in China. Uh, so that was part of it. But yeah, just a lot of like, there was going to be, this was going to help pay for that. was going to help pay for that. And then it all just kind of fell over. Um, so
0: what would you say to somebody that's in the same situation where campaigns close or or I guess how would they even avoid getting themselves into a situation like this in the first place?
1: Yeah. So I think some of it um, was my OT on my part. I think um, I could have been, a little more careful. Um although I will say I think my publisher always had good intentions of, you know, delivering the game and making sure that, you know, it was a success. And they, you know, like I said, um <laughs> got the the, board, uh, the Barnes and Noble thing going in. Um but I think there were like signs that I missed in terms of like maybe they weren't the most together or I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to say too much, but um, Yeah, also, some of it was unavoidable in terms of like the COVID situation and (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, and timing, you know, like some things were just, just unavoidable. I would say um, one area that I definitely would do differently next time is I just would be a lot more involved in some of the decisions. um, I think because I was really new and I was really naive and I was kind of scared when it came to um, logistics and things like that, that I just kind of was hands off on it. Yeah. And so there were issues that had I been more involved, I maybe could have prevented from happening. Um, So, yeah, I think if I was going to do it again differently, I would even if you're working with a publisher, I would say, like, be very hands on and like, you know, ask a lot of questions and um, yeah. Stand up for yourself. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's the uh I think that's some of the um the questions often uh, that often get asked, right? Is when people are especially coming in this for the first time, is how do I know I can trust, you know, a manufacturer, say on the other side of the planet, right? Where you know it, it, so there's this nervousness of and a lot of games are made in China. Okay, so I have to go find a manufacturer in China or maybe a publisher there. Mm-hmm. how do I know they're not just going to take my money and run like this is often a yeah. question somebody asks right and it's a valid question that would be a question anywhere you're going to get a game published um I think that doing your homework in advance uh, and, and and you know vetting the different uh manufacturers that you're you're considering mm-hmm. is important ask people for referrals there's a lot like there's thousands of games coming out now per, per year and oh, yeah, you know sure. there's a handful of manufacturers that are probably making most of those games so, you know, if you can find one that has reputation and mm-hmm. you can have other people that can say, yeah, I use them. That might be one, one path. If, yeah. um, what I find interesting is in this case is because typically a, a publisher would be the one that launches the Kickstarter, right? right? So typically this the, was the, different
1: for yeah, sure. the
0: publisher would sign you and then say, mm-hmm. okay, here's your percentage and you signed a contract. Now we take it from here. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And they, they go and it's it, their name on it. You were in a very unique situation where your name was on it. People are looking to you. They gave you the money Mm -hmm. and there's someone else that they don't know is responsible for getting that game to them. And if Mm -hmm. that falls apart, they're not blaming that person. They're blaming you. Yeah. Right. And that
1: was incredibly hard that, um, yeah. yeah, I would wake up every day to like angry comments and emails and, um, yeah, like, there was a big period of time where, like, I was, I just couldn't reach my publisher. Like, he blocked me <laughs> on Facebook, wow. and like, there was, a, I just couldn't reach him at all. Um, and that, yeah, that was incredibly stressful and difficult because, like I said, I was pregnant. I was like 24 7 nausea, and I was also um, getting yelled at like daily. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was definitely like in a desperate situation. And then when they just kind of, like noped out and um, gave the rights back to me. Um, I still had about 600 copies left unfulfilled or 600 backers, I think left unfulfilled. Um, Didn't know where the rest of my games were.
0: (laughs) Did Um, you have the funds? Like, did you get the, did you have control of those funds to go in and spend or did, were you having to go to pocket again for the next 600 games? Like how did that work?
1: It's complicated, but I ended up having to pay for some things twice let's put it that way um yeah. where it, I had given money and then it didn't go where it was supposed to and so I ended up having to yeah I, I lost some money on it um but as it turned out um I ended up kind of doing like a public call for help because I have a lot of I had made a ton of friends that were publishers oh, yeah. and, um, other designers and stuff and just said hey I'm in a bind. I really need to, like, I did not want to leave um, 600 backers not getting their games. So, yeah. um tried to do what we could do and I um, met with several publishers, like, over the next week. I think it was like eight. <laughs> um, and then ended up signing the game with Deepwater. And they actually took on multiple titles from that publisher as well. So, wow. Um, yeah. Well
0: shout out to Deep Water for uh for jumping in and uh and, Yeah, you know, they really, they really back really on the rails.
1: Things, I <laughs> so I, I'm very appreciative.
0: You know, I think that that speaks to reputation is every reputation is everything, right? And um, you know, when you have a campaign and things fall apart, how you handle that is important. I know uh, we got Mike Bruner, who's the publisher of the podcast, he's also uh in the lobby listening. He had a game. Mm-hmm. You know, they, uh, they didn't queen fund B. the first time around queen B came mm-hmm. back at second time. And I think when you, when you dust yourself off and say, look, this is not going to beat me. We're going to figure it out. We're going to make it right for everybody. It's amazing. The number of cheerleaders that step up and just say, you know what? Good for you. We're with you. We're with you on this campaign. We're going to be with you on the next one because you handled this one the right way. And when I read through a lot of the comments on the page, um, uh, there was this outpouring of compassion for you from a mm-hmm. lot of people saying, look. I'll get my game when I get it. I'm glad you're working through it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's a great game and I, I think it's gonna be awesome when it, uh, when it finally uh, arrives. So, um, yeah, but was
1: it, like, really, for sure. yeah. there's always going to be that handful of people that are like, just never going to be happy. But, uh, as, as, at least that's what I've been told when it comes to Kickstarters, there's always yeah. going to be a couple people who just walk away grumbling, but I like to think that hopefully everybody the vast majority of backers like they got their stuff and um they're they know that at least like i cared enough to not just give up because definitely was tempting at times
0: yeah (laughs) and there are some people that that have done that right there's cases where people just said sorry this didn't work out guys i'm I'm so 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 sorry and then they just disappear and everyone's like okay i I pledged and I, i got nothing to show for it so Yeah. You know, anytime I hear this case where we've had a few people on the podcast where they've had to dip into their own uh, funds Mm -hmm. to try to, you know, um, get things to work. And, um, you know, ultimately it's the backers that appreciate it and say, well, you know, at least these guys, some people won't appreciate it. But I think most people do when they, when they see that, you know what, this person uh, is obviously in a very stressful situation. They've gone way over and above what the typical person has to go through in this situation. And, uh, and I, I still have a game to show for it. So, um, yeah. certainly I think it makes you stronger, uh, getting ready for your, uh, your next game. <laughs> now so. on your, uh, your website, you talk about, so feed humans was your first game. That was like mm-hmm. a two to four player. It was a card game. Was it? Or I think it goes
1: up to six actually. Okay. Uh, cause you have a pretty big family. So I think I made it, uh, <laughs> bigger. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that one, uh, it's really, it's a family family kind of game, um, quirky thing where you're robots uh, in like a futuristic restaurant at the end of the universe type thing. Mm-hmm. Very like Douglas Adams vibe, I guess. Um, and you're creating recipes to serve these guests that come by. But of course, your recipes are not very uh, precise. Yeah. So you make pretty bad food. But that part is very entertaining so you can uh yeah you can earn points for like a salad made of grapes and uh i don't know radishes Uh,
0: (laughs) now is this something that you would take to a publisher uh, directly or is the plan to maybe try that a game like this on kickstarter again or kind of what path would you take now that you've got a lot of publishers you've been connected with yeah is that maybe a path to just say hand it to a publisher say here you go you guys put on kickstarter
1: Yeah um, I've had a publisher interested in it for quite a while um, and he was kind of working with another company and now he's kind of going out on his own and so it may or may not end up um, going with them. Uh, But yeah that's definitely something I would love to get out there because um, I worked on it with my kids. My daughter actually, my oldest daughter actually did like half the illustrations with me which was really cool. Oh, That's awesome. Um, it's a good bonding project, and it's a super fun game that we enjoy as a family. So, um, yeah, I don't know if, like, Kickstarter would be the place for it, just because I think family-weight games don't – I don't know. I guess I don't see, like, board gamers get as excited about them, but
0: – Well, a little shout-out to Nutty yeah. Squirrels that just launched this week. They're funny already. <laughs> uh,
1: that's awesome. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe times are changing. I mean, kids are home, and – yeah, yeah.
0: I'm a, I'm, a big, I'm a big believer that there, I think there is a, uh, an audience for family-based games or what we call casual games or gateway games. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of Kickstarter and a lot of the, the huge Kickstarter funds, like the ones that are getting to the millions of dollars, are focused heavy. around heavy games, You know, their campaign-type games, their D&D role-playing um, right. from big publishers or they have a big IP behind them. Mm-hmm. But even look at like Doomlings. You know, Doomlings right. uh, is—I think they're ten days away from funding. I didn't check today, but last I checked, they were at like over three hundred. I think like three hundred fifty thousand dollars in funding. Yeah,
1: they're doing amazing.
0: Yeah, so there, there, there's an audience out there. I, I just think it's, it's finding how you, how you get that audience. Right. Um, how? What were some of the things you did on your campaign to try to? Because Chrysalis, I mean, it's a solo game, but again, it's, it's not mm-hmm. D D. It's not our RPG. It's a fairly straightforward, simple, abstract game. How mm-hmm. did you pull in your audience for that?
1: um that's always a a little bit of a mystery to me um (laughs) i think luck (laughs) yeah Yeah. total luck uh i think so part of it was um i had developed it for a contest on board game Geek, so i had a little bit of a following there yeah um because you do like a work in progress thread during the contest and that you know that was really fun because you had a lot of people giving you feedback and kind of like cheering you on and um the fact that it ended up doing well in the contest is actually why I ended up like shelving Feed to Humans and moving forward with that Mm. as a Kickstarter. Um, So yeah and then I think got some really nice reviews and then I I honestly think a lot of it is just like curb appeal. I think it's really right? It's really colorful. It was cheap. (laughs) You know, it wasn't like something that was going to cost an arm and a leg to pick up. And so I think a lot of people, like I heard a lot of people be like, oh, I think I'll take a chance on this one. It wasn't like a huge investment. Um, And we kept it really small and light. So.
0: I always find with the smaller games, the only challenge is then people push back on the shipping cost. Right. They're like, well, why is the shipping cost (laughs) the same cost as the game? It's like, well, I could increase Mm -hmm. the cost of the game. So you feel better about the shipping cost." Right. Well, that's not the way it works. But yeah, if you get a game where you got a low, you know, low cost to make it low, low uh, pledge value, mm-hmm. the reality is your, your shipping cost is probably going to be fairly similar to the cost of the game. Right. So, right. you know, it's, I think Amazon has kind of spoiled the world with the, the free shipping and people are used to getting free spoiled shipping. But, for
1: sure. <laughs> that's what I'm used to.
0: But small publishers, I mean, it's coming out of your pocket you and do, it's, yeah. it's not cheap. Right. So you have to pass that along. So we can try to
1: subsidize that into the cost of the game a little bit, I think. Which is yeah, you can, and
0: you see play people play. do that. They'll say like ten dollars mm-hmm. flat shipping, and they'll take like you know maybe the cost is really eighteen dollars, so they'll take eight dollars and they'll they'll bury it into the cost of the game. And, right. um, and VAT tax is another thing that is coming up right now with Europe, right? So Europe yeah. and the new Brexit Brexit rules, um, you know, they're saying to publishers you have to charge VAT tax based on the value of the pledge, not on the game cost, right. and that's due as soon as you as soon as you ship that game. So, yeah. um, you know, that forces a lot of publishers are going to now have to start building that, uh, that tax into the actual pledge cost. Otherwise you'll lose your shirt, right? It's like 20%. It, it, it's, right. it's crazy it's high. Huge. So yeah, it's huge. So where, where are you going from here? Like I, 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 heard that you might be doing some expansions or something what's, what's kind of next on the docket for you.
1: Yeah. So, um, just the last little while, uh, I started, I've started working on, um, expansion content for Cristallo. And I'm actually planning to, I got the okay from Deepwater, which I was really excited about to uh, start a little work in progress thread on Board Game Geek. I I think I want to kind of develop it publicly, um, which I didn't actually know if they were going to be okay with that because I know it's like in retail now and um, they're in charge of it in that sense. But um, they were really cool about it. I just said, you know, when I developed Crystalo initially, it was, you know, with the feedback of all these other people, and I found that really valuable and also motivating. Mm-hmm. And I think thinking about doing an expansion and designing it sort of, you know, privately and quietly by myself just was intimidating. And so, yeah, hopefully, uh, in the next little while, I'm going to be sharing kind of my direction with that and what I'm planning. So, I'm excited.
0: So is the intent to take this to, without giving it too much away, uh, is it going to be multiplayer or is it still going to be solo mode, but just expanded?
1: Yeah. So not a multiplayer in this, for this expansion. Ah, Um, Definitely something that I would like to explore in the future. Um, But for now, this just kind of adds a little more meat to the, um, to the original game. And it does it in a way that I feel is really, um, yeah, exciting I like it a
0: lot <laughs> so if people want to follow this journey uh do they go to lightheartgames.com or like on board Gosh. game geek is there what's your profile on, like how do they follow you on uh, th- th- this journey
1: yeah so my website is like two years out of date um I think on there it still says I'm planning to take Cristal to kickstarter I'm not sure I haven't even looked at it so it's way out of yeah date. I
0: checked it today no yeah. you, you've launched as of the website but you <laughs> the, the update's a little That's dated as far yeah. as we
1: got. okay Yeah. So that's probably not the best place. Um, yeah. On Facebook is probably a good place. You can friend me up. Um, I also will be posting on board game geek. Like I said, um, doing like a work in progress thread. Um, keep an eye out for that.
0: What's your page name on Facebook? If people, what do they look for? Lightheart games? Liberty Piper. Oh, Oh, you
1: mean like my page?
0: Yeah. Your page. I don't don't update
1: that. Just friend me up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just friend you I Love have separate
1: it. accounts for board games and personal, so just yeah, bring me up and I'll uh yeah. It's the one that says Cristallo at the
0: top. Oh perfect. So they can find it. Well yeah. I I wish you all the best this coming year. I know it's been uh Wow. What a rollercoaster of a story around this game, but I'm glad to see it on shelves and have such great retail success too, which is amazing. I know it's got to be just oh, an you. immense amount of pride for you and uh yeah, oh, <laughs> lot's coming this year. And uh, for those out there looking to, uh, you know, if you're in lockdown and you're by yourself and you're looking for some entertainment, uh, why not pick up a copy of this game?
1: Awesome.
0: All the best. You take care. Cheers. All
1: right. Thanks James.
0: This has been an episode of the board game binge podcast. Hosted by James Staley. Produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner. With original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.